Hello, listeners. All week I've been looking forward to this moment when I get to do my second broadcast. My name is Bree and I am The Gardener. You are listening to The Garden, a one-hour show on Monday nights, in which I am going to attempt to curate a thoughtful space of beauty and the pursuit of truth. Not a gardening show. I feel like I have to say that. Not a gardening show. I have been a little trepidatious all week, though, because if you were listening last week, you might remember that I had some trouble with the audio. Cringe. Even though the K-Tech staff gave me 30 minutes of training time, like many moms of preschoolers, you might know that mommy brain is a real thing. And I mean, it's hard for me to even remember to put on my left sock after I've put on my right. I'm quite serious. And so I brought my sweet husband in tonight to help me out with the sound because he knows a little more about it than I do. Tilo, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here tonight as well with you, Bree. For the first time on FM radio, mm-hmm. 89.5 K-Tech. It's fantastic. It never gets old saying that. Mm-mm. It's like, Let's almost say it one like more we're time. in a movie. 89.5 K-Tech in Klamath Falls. That's what you're listening to. It's beautiful. It's well, beautiful. welcome. Welcome I, to the I garden. do feel like I'm in a TV show. It's true. Anyway, I was also a little trepidatious because I discovered last week, even though I am a whole one-fourth Italian, and I love the sound of my own voice... It was harder than I thought to fill up a whole hour of airtime with my own thoughts and ideas. (laughs) Uh, So Tilo's going to make that a little easier by sharing half the time with me tonight, if I let him. Of course. (laughs) If I can stop talking. You'll have to. (laughs) You might get in trouble after the fact. Right. If you don't. Also, we get a whole hour just being alone together, too. That's super nice. It's almost like a date. It's like a date. I really enjoy it. Yes. It's lovely. So I mentioned last week that my husband Tilo is a German. His name is not Tilo like T to the L-O, a rapper. He is not a hip-hop artist. His name is Tilo, T-H-I-L-O, mm. a mm. traditional German name. He was born so. and raised in Berlin. Tilo, you want to tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So as my wife was saying, I was born in Berlin in 1985. That is the year when the wall in Berlin was still up. That means I was born in the East, in the former communist East Berlin. Meaning, growing up with that kind of philosophy, it's interesting for sure. My grandma and my mom, very much communistic in their worldview. However, the world is open now, right? The wall came down in 1989. Here we go. A little history lesson for all of us, right? (laughs) Um, Came down in 1989. and then. What's he talking about? What's the wall? Exactly. (laughs) That's ancient history for modern people. (laughs) It's the famous Berlin Wall, right? So where the West basically came to the East and the East was completely obliterated. So now here we are. Um, I grew up in um, a very, yeah, fairly poor upbringing, but I can still say I had everything that we needed. We had food in the fridge. I was able to um, pursue my hobbies, which was basketball from the fifth grade on. And I was always dreaming of the United States and playing in the NBA. And guess what? I'm only 5.9 feet tall. <laughs> so I never <laughs> would have Bokes. made it. Muggsy Bogues, right? The good old you 90s. Can dream. Oh my goodness. So that's where I was headed in my mind, right? I wanted to get there. However, at the age of 16 to 17, I started to sing in a gospel choir. 
um, back in Berlin, if you would know it, right, if you could believe it, a gospel choir singing British or English, excuse me, English songs um, from the States, black gospels, and we're all white kids, which was fantastic. It was full of soul. We had a wonderful, wonderful teacher, <laughs> wonderful voice, by the way. You should pull that out every should once I in a while. Should I pursue my gospel? Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> so um, at the age of 17, then, I started playing some guitar as well. And yeah, I just basically became a full-hearted or full-blown musician from that age on. And that led me to becoming uh, the lead singer, becoming the lead singer of a band called Vincent. Not written with a Z, but with a... Or C, but with a Z instead. Mm -hmm. So not the Vincent. And we always thought these movie characters that are called Vincent in any movie were the craziest and most outrageous people. So we called our band Vincent because we thought we were these people. Crazy and outrageous in our music. So if there's a movie with a character named Vincent, Uh he's going to be the crazy one. He's going to be the crazy one. Okay. Most most of the times, yes. Mark my words. (laughs) Next time you watch a movie, when you see Vincent... Think about it. You're going to know right away. That's correct. That's correct. So after a while, we uh, toured her and played and recorded a little EP for two, uh, uh, two and a half to three years. We were a band, and then we had a little fallout. I had a fallout with a, one of the band members. As you do. As you do after a while. It's almost like breaking up with a girlfriend. It's hard. It's worse. But it happens, and you're... You feel like you're almost married to this band because you meet so often. We practice like three times a week. And then on the weekends, we would travel hours and hours to play this show where we didn't make any money. And maybe some musicians can relate to that just to be seen, hopefully to sell some, you know, like these lapel buttons or pins with your name on it and a CD. Totally early 2000s. Yes. And maybe hopefully you get back the money that you uh, paid just to get there. Right. (laughs) So lodging, food, and that. But man, we were living the dream, but we had a big falling out. So maybe at another time we can talk about that. Yeah, I'm actually going to have, I hope, if K-Tech doesn't kick me off the airwaves, (laughs) I'd love to have my husband come back on Mm. and actually do a show where we feature some of his music. That's right. That's right. So a couple of years down the road in that time still when I was in the band, I actually met my wife, Bree, and her mother-in-law, Kim. And they were in Berlin, and they were busy on the street, um, you know, bringing whatever they believed in to Berlin, and they were living it, their dream and their calling, and they came to Berlin. And I met them, and I was excited to meet them. They asked me to come on out with them and play some songs on the street. So that's what I did. Brought my guitar, started singing those songs with them. I almost want to ask you to just sing a couple notes for us of something. Of something? You're not warmed up. (laughs) It would be fantastic if we could do that right now on the spot. Let me see what we have on the air right now. I think we got some, what are we? Jonathan Morgenstern, Shlomo Goldfinger. How do you like that? That was lovely. <laughs> it really was. I usually don't sing to jazz music. I don't so think much. you've ever heard this song before. <laughs> no, either. that's right. Nice. But it's pretty. It's really pretty. And our friend Jonathan in Berlin will appreciate that we're playing his music in the States right now. Super cool. Um, however, here we go. So after the falling out, met Bree and Kim, my mother-in-law Kim, and hey with that. And as well to our kids at home who might be listening right now, and they should go to bed right now. Good night. However... Um, I recorded my very first solo album in 2016, which is exciting, right? For any musician, that was like, a, um, you know, like one big milestone in my life. So that's what I did. And we did that in Belarus. 
of all places mm -hmm. in the last, if you may even say it, the last dictatorship in Europe. No one wants to say that, but it's just a fact, right? However... And the door it was, at that time, not open for tourists to go no. in. It's now open. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that law still exists, but now you can fly into Minsk. That's correct. And you can go into Belarus on a tourist visa. But at that time, you could not go in. It was a closed country. That's right. And it's a long story how we got there, but it was pretty amazing. And, and we met some people there. So for whatever reason, met some people there, and they uh, heard me play a song for them on a Sunday morning, and then they asked me, hey, do you want to come back and record an album? We have a professional studio here. So I said, uh, yep, let's pick a date. And the year following, I think, following year we came back. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like led into our story of how we started traveling. Maybe not, like right. we were already traveling a okay. little bit, but man. So what first, before we launch into, so our topic tonight is actually going to be travel. Last week we talked about the topic of loss and despair. What a great topic. And this week we're going to talk about something a little more jovial, maybe, <laughs> traveling. But I wanted to ask Tilo first. So Tilo, this is what all the Germans would ask me. So now you've lived in the United States for two whole years. Mm -hmm. We lived in North Carolina right. before moving here to Klamath Falls. And I wanted to ask you, do you like living here? Do you miss Germany? Do you, you like it here in hey, the United States? I've just recently seen that movie, Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny. And yes, the first half an hour movie was German, which is incredible. And you sounded just like them. Very good. Very good impersonation of <laughs> a German you. person. I did live there for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> However, I have to uh, answer that question with yes and yes. Good. So that's um, yes, I miss it. And yes, I love it here. So both yes. And of course, you always miss something that you can't have where you're at. So I love living in the U.S. and specifically in the Pacific Northwest. So Oregon, man, it's a dream. It's beautiful. I love the nature. I love the coast. It is a dream. I love being so close to the Californian lava beds. We have lava beds north of us near Bend. And the mountains are fantastic. Winter is great. Summer is hot. <laughs> sunshine in Klamath Falls, you know, they say 300 days of sunshine. So, Klamath Falls has not disappointed me yet with no. that. It's beautiful. It's so lovely. for that reason, I'm very happy where we're located right now and that we're mm -hmm. here. So people are really nice here as well, right? It's easy, really oh, yeah. easy to get to talking to strangers. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a cultural difference, too, in Germany. If you would walk up to a stranger in the store and start talking to them about your day mm -hmm. and just saying, hey, what's up? How are you doing? And they would actually respond or whatever. They would think you want something from them, like money or you're like, you know, you're up to no good. They would think you were crazy. A little crazy. Yeah. 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 And maybe that's true for me anyway. Can I just say something real quick on that topic? Sure. I take my three children grocery shopping with me and people in the store love to talk to me about my three kids. And a few weeks ago, now I have three kids. I have twins and a toddler. So I only had two pregnancies. But a few weeks ago, an older gentleman came up to me in the store and asked me, do they call you Fertile Myrtle? <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, something like that, that would never, ever happen in Berlin. Mm -mm. <laughs> it's such mm -mm. a culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> do they call you Fertile Myrtle? Because you got three whole kids. <laughs> Can you believe it? Yes, three kids in our culture nowadays. Okay, well, is there anything about Germany that you do miss and that you're surprised that you miss it? 
I'm not surprised about that I miss my family, obviously. Sure. So I have two younger sisters, and my mom um, lives there, too, with her husband. And, um, and yeah, and I have my aunt there, too, and my cousins. So all of my family, um, really close family, lives right there. Um, so that's something that I miss. But, man, our, our uh, technology nowadays makes it e easy, right, to stay in touch. Mm -hmm. Do we stay in touch every single week? No, we don't. But when we talk, we talk for like an hour or so and yeah. we can see each other and then we can show um, the kids and everything. So that's kind of what I miss, like that personal interaction. And I guess with COVID, we had that already a little bit, the distance between the family because we weren't allowed to see each other. So before we moved to the States, we experienced that distance already, even though we lived in the same city. But now that we're here, that real distance um, is is really tangible. So mm -hmm. I, I do miss them. But on the other hand, I miss foods as well. Right. You know, very specific foods that are typically German or even from Berlin, Germany, that you just can't get here. For example. For example, you have two of those. They would be uh, one of those things that's easy to get and super cheap. It's like a sandwich. It's called a donut kebab. And you've probably heard this before. It's just like a little sandwich. Wow, we have really dramatic music in the background right now. I'm enjoying it. That's John Barry from yes. Out of Africa. Flying over Africa. This is... It's haunting. Like last week, one of my favorite songs. I love listening to that music. That's great. So, don't give up with that. It's like a sandwich. You have like lamb meat in it, salad and some sauces, and it's really easy to eat. Like it's like a big sandwich, almost like a burger, but a sandwich. I don't want to say sandwich burger, but yeah. It's like a gyro. It's but like it's, a gyro. It's the Turkish version of a Greek gyro. That's right. That's right. And then the other thing would be broiled chicken that you can get very easily there. It's not hard to get by. It costs like five bucks. And then... You it's a just street eat. food. It's a street food, right? You mm -hmm. can get anywhere. So that's the kind of things that I miss. But luckily enough, we have a German deli slash bakery slash whatever little store in Portland. It's only five hours away um, where I can get all kinds of German things that I would not be able to get anywhere else but in that store. Shout out Edelweiss. Edelweiss. If you're ever in Portland and oh you want goodness. some good German food, Edelweiss. Go ahead, ask them for like a nice wiener or whatever <laughs> and in portland as well there's like a street vendor and they have a doner kebab as doner well kebab. so i would have to drive five hours just to get that doner and you would do it and i would do it <laughs> maybe and we did do it so that's kind of what i miss yeah. cool along the side maybe a little bit the creativity and the um street art that just is everywhere that's kind of a big city thing Mm -hmm. If you lived in a bigger that's city, true. you would see a little bit more of that, I think. And I, I don't do, think that's a Europe-America thing. I did get maybe. that a little bit in Portland, a yeah. little bit in Bend. Um, you but know, Portland Salem. is totally Berlin oh, these yeah. days, yes. right? Yes. Okay, so you don't have to travel far to go to Berlin, just go to Portland. Anyway, so the topic of our show tonight, traveling. And I found a quote that I kind of wanted to start with. It's by Michael Bassey Johnson, or is it Bassey? Bassey or Basie, who wrote the Book of Maxims, Poems, and Anecdotes. And he said, a good traveler is one who knows how to travel with the mind. And I wanted to start with that because you know, don't really want to sound like a traveling snob that you think, oh, you actually have to travel around the world. You don't. I mean, I 100% agree with Michael Basie Johnson. You don't have to travel to experience the joy of other places those snow caps and sun-drenched worlds that are somewhere out there. 
I read this book once called The Virago Book of Women Travelers by Mary Morris, and it is a collection of true stories about amazing women throughout history who traveled. And they didn't travel like we travel, you know, getting on an airplane. They really seriously traveled by ship or on horseback. And not in this world where everybody speaks English and everything's already mapped out. This was like true foreign travel into darkness and the thrill of the unknown. And I actually feel as though I experienced some of those journeys with some of those women. And I guess in a way I have mm. because they shared their experience with me through their amazing writings. I have read uh, quite a bit about an incredible lady named Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary in colonial India and Japan. And with her, I have experienced the cool mountains of uh, the heights of India and the Indian temples. I've also traveled deepest Africa with David Livingston. Um, I suffered with him through river fever. I helped him create a trade route through the continent and avoid Portuguese slave traders. So through some of those writings and sharings of more amazing travelers than myself, um, my horizon has been expanded. So I don't expect that Tilo and I can quite hit the mark of expanding a horizon like that. But I do hope that through our shared experiences tonight, we can tease a little bit of fascination out for you. Mm -hmm. So right now, Yes, we are middle-aged parents who are living in Klamath Falls, which is an adventure. We have an adventure all the time, don't we? We feel like we're in the Wild West. Um, but before this, we were people who bought a very small RV, lived in it with my mother, Tilo's mother-in-law, for two years and traveled around Europe. I think we visited 18 countries with the RV. That's what I counted. Could be. So, Tilo... Describe the little RV that you moved into with your mother-in-law for our listeners. So think 1991, the model, Fiat Ducato. It has an alcove with a queen bed on top above the driver cabin. Then it has a tiny bed in the back right next to the bathroom slash shower cabin. You can barely stand up in it or sit down in it, but that's what it is. Does this RV have a pullout? on the side to make it bigger? Those RVs in Europe, you can't even imagine. It's like you're back in the 70s maybe with one of those RVs? The answer is no. No. No pullouts. No pullouts, no on the sides or whatever, the top. It doesn't get bigger. And yes, it's small. We did put curtains in it. And did we pay 10,000 euros for it? Oh my good, yes we did. Something like that, and it was expensive. <laughs> it was expensive it for was expensive. such an old, old yeah. um, RV. But the middle section has a kitchen, the seating area has um, seats for around a table, and that one turns into a bed, and all separate, uh, everything separated by curtains only. So we didn't have like another wall, another door to shut. We hung up curtains that you buy at Ikea or any other store that has curtains, and we hung those up, and that was our, you know, separators. And at one point, we had friends <laughs> visit us and we'll come to that later in Denmark. But at that time, we slept five people in that tiny yes. RV. I had forgotten that until you mm. mentioned it. Mm. And I, <laughs> I can't believe we did that. That's great. Two on top, two on a table, and one on another table. The smallest thing. Anyway, okay, so Tila, we went to 18-ish countries. That's right. What was your? What are your? Some of your favorite memories, or what was your favorite country, and why? Tell us a little right. bit. Right. So that. it's really hard to put that into just like here's my favorite country because Europe is so diverse and has all these different uh, historical cities. England is one of those countries where you would just 
if you want if you're a little bit of a history buff or you like some of the movies or shows that you've seen from you know the past um england is one of those countries that has just the romance and the beauty and the history we've been to a tiny chapel in scotland just outside the chapel was a statue of uh um what's his name william wallace from braveheart the actual william wallace statue and that chapel standing right next to him was a thousand years old i don't remember that, that was, i don't deny it and we went into it and it had these old paintings on the wall as well like i said a thousand years old and they have kept it so well just to look at that that was up in scotland so that was one of my places in the world on the top of my bucket list scotland so glasgow edinburgh i loved going to gothenburg sweden sweden is pretty in itself we love denmark like i said we come to that and we will talk more about that but sweden there was just one area where we parked just by the shores and the beaches and um in england we have um these cities like stratford upon avon which is the birthplace of shakespeare and those buildings are incredible like there are these old wooden buildings that just look fantastic crooked doors crooked doors half sunken in buildings it's it's incredible to see you think you're like in a weird fantasy world but it's all right there and it's down main street in their downtown and it's still alive and kicking and people are still using those buildings too yes so um one of my f- highlights and probably breezers too was done it had the top mm-hmm. north tip of england that's scotland right at the top and we could see finally in real life puffins and i know Bree doesn't probably didn't talk about it yet but um that we're secret birders bird watchers ish i was saving that for when our ratings were really high <laughs> there you go <laughs> and suddenly they went up just like that because we're bird watching that's right <laughs> bird watching is the second most popular hobby in the united states before you judge us that's right and the first one i hear it's gardening so we're right in there we're the garden and we're bird watchers that's right we're are amazing we, are we good at it i don't think so but we're right there but we did see the puffins in dunnett head scotland mm. and they were so cute incredible oh incredible they look a certain way and they sound a totally different way that you don't expect that they sound when they give their little beak whatever could you please do a puffin impersonation i can't <laughs> we would have to look it up for another time seriously or you just look it up puffin p-u-f-f-i-n that's how you spell that and if you have seen them before and heard them before you know exactly what we're talking about paris was great we didn't get to see paris but i got to see disneyland so this that was fun the first time in my life and the last time in my life that i ever saw anything disneyland ish stuff we went on Christmas Day. Mm. It was really fun. It was magical. And then uh, the drive from Spain to Portugal, you know, it was just incredible. They were like two different worlds, just going from Spain, the dry and the hot into the lush and green and just vivid green colors of plants and bushes and trees over the bridge. And suddenly we were in a different nation, different country. It felt really like that. Yeah, yes. It was a weird and cool. Yes. Okay, so my favorite is Denmark. It's a hard question to answer. The whole world is so amazing, right? It is. But as far as our European travels, I loved Denmark so much. We both have an enduring love affair with England. Mm-hmm. We love tea. We love punting. We love C.S. Lewis. I have watched, I don't know if you know this, but there are many, many, many crime shows based in Oxford. That's true. And I've watched them all. 
all of all of them. And she's still watching all of and them. And I still cry at the seeing the dreaming spires. Mm-hmm. So it's hard not to say England, but mm-hmm. I love Denmark. Um, Denmark is surrounded by beaches, these just beaches everywhere you go. The Danish people are just so lovely. They're kind and pleasant. They are not like the Germans. I apologize to any Germans listening. We love the Germans. And my husband sitting next to me. Ich liebe die Deutschen. Immer noch. <laughs> but the Danish are just, they're so lovely. They defy this staunch stereotype of the Norse people being so, you know, hard and cold. And so do the Swedish, but not the Norwegians. <laughs> anyway, the food in Denmark is delicious. They eat a wonderful mix of delicious cheese, barbecue, pastries, and the most amazing coffee ever. Um, it's like the perfect place on the planet. Sure is. That's what I think. Mm, mm. Um, we, and there's sailboats everywhere. I love the sailboats. I don't know if I already said that. Um, but we spent some time living in about three months, so not a long, long time, Christiania, which is a hippie commune still living and thriving and existing today since the 60s, which is right in the heart of Copenhagen. And it's very weird, but it's also a delight. It's colorful and creative. There's weird vegan food everywhere. Um, did you want to say anything about Christiania? Of course, yeah. Christiania is something that's uh, super special. I think it's top two in the sights of Copenhagen that you have to see after the mermaid. Right. It's like one of the places you have to go to, and it's uh, set in a place called Christianshavn. That's how they say it. It's Christian's Haven, basically. Has these beautiful houses, Haven, Haven, port. Yeah, it's this beautiful like uh, scene. You're by a bridge with a little river, and then what happens is there's these houses with uh, all kinds of different colors, and it's just bright, right in your face. And then you go get into Christiania, and suddenly you're in this different world. You walk into the commune, um, and suddenly the buildings buildings look different. You have st- street art everywhere by the people that live there that looks different from everything else outside. You have little shops and vendors with crafts, and um, suddenly there's a street where drug sales is happening all day long of the legal and not-so-hard drugs, but it's tolerated, but it's not legal. No, there's uh, police raids all the time. That's right. There's, And it could be a little dangerous, It too. can be dangerous. And if you're there as a tourist and that happens when happens on the day when you're there, that's unfortunate. Cause Squat. It's, you just duck down. Man, it's like the, the <laughs> SWAT coming in and raiding the whole place. And guess what happens? After all that is over, you have old drug lords leave and new drug lords come in. And there's like good people there and there's uh, crazy people there and you have homeless people there and you have creative people there that just have found their home there and are really um, artistic and really um, productive with their giftings. And um, there's a little tiny church in there too, right at the back of the street where they sell the drugs. Um, You have a concert hall there. Bob Dylan played there before too. So it's really this really interesting popular place Mm -hmm. that's one of a kind and i think we have something similar in berlin but you could almost liken it to it but it's not quite the same with the raw temple area that is very artsy but it's not a commune it's just like this one place that anyone can just go into yeah right the thing i always thought was interesting about christiania was that you know it was this supposed to be this kind of free place you know where the hippies came and settled but they had rules, man. I don't know if you remember, Tilo. They mm. are super rigid on some of their rules and yeah. expectations. No photos. 
for example, mm. just one of many. And if you're an outsider, I mean, you're an outsider. It's not easy to get to be an no. insider in Christiania. They are protecting their commune. Um, and I just thought that was really fascinating because the, the rigidity of the place next to the creativity was such a juxtaposition. And I don't know, just kind of funny in light of the fact that they were so anti-establishmentarian. It's true. And they were such an establishment. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting thing about the Danish is that they bathe in the sea, in the North Sea, all year round. So all over the place along the water, there are these little docks, simple docks, not docks that you would actually tie a boat up to, but docks just for people to walk on that go way out into the sea, and they have a little ladder at the end. And the Danish people take a dip every day. They will walk out, obviously not every single Danish person, but a lot of the Danish people, they'll walk out, get in the water, often naked, and they do it year round. And they say that they don't feel the water getting colder. And they say that it's super healthy. Hmm. And I'm sure it is. And also the Danish have a really low cancer rate. So I think that's such hmm. a cool part of their culture that they dip in the North Sea. If it's snowing, if the sun is shining. Put two and two together. It's the swimming that... Let's try it. Yeah. Climb the lake in winter. It. Yes, the algae will save us. Mm. And I... Okay, so I've got another travel quote for you. <laughs> um, if you listened last week, you might remember that I talked about how much I long to get back the magic of my childhood and the glory of a rich child's... Of a child's rich imagination and discovery. So I found this quote by Bill Bryson... And I'll read it to you. I thought, maybe that's why I like to travel. So Bill Bryson said, That's the glory of foreign travel, as far as I'm concerned. I can't think of anything that, it's, that excites a greater sense of childlike wonder than to be in a country where you are ignorant of almost everything. Suddenly, you are five years old again. You can't read anything. You have only the most rudimentary sense of how things work. You can't even reliably cross a street without endangering your life. Your whole existence becomes a series of interesting guesses. That's Bill Bryson in Neither Here Nor There Travels in Europe. And beautiful. I thought, that's it. I want to be a kid again. That's why I can't stop traveling. I want that sense of the unknown and of new discoveries and of grasping forward to learn things. But, you know, I also have to say on a humorous note that that quote rang true for me because of the part about how it's hard to cross the street because I did probably the majority of my travels with my wonderful mother, and she has fallen over twice. Once she fell over in don't London. Don't remind me. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I shouldn't remind her. Poor thing. Sorry, Mom. Once she fell over in London, in the middle of Oxford Street. Anybody who's seen Oxford Street will know this is like a six-lane, busy, busy street. It's the shopping district of London. It's the Times Square of London, maybe? You? It is the Times Square of London. It is. If yeah. you're at Piccadilly Circus. Yes. yes. Anyway, so she falls over in Oxford Street. There's a big red double-decker bus bearing down on her. I was sure she was a goner. The bus did stop, and she got up and all was well. And then we went to Budapest in Hungary. And for whatever reason, and this is something we laugh about now, she was hurrying to get across the street, trying to beat me, because she had been internally feeling frustrated that I was always walking faster than she was, which I don't remember. So she goes zipping out into the street without really looking. A car hits her, hits her hand, 
<laughs> she's knocked over, spun into a circle, falls down. She's lucky it's only her hand. The Hungarian driver was um, alarmed and <laughs> and startled. Um, <laughs> so yes, sometimes even in a modern Western country, when you're traveling, even crossing the street can be an issue. And I can't laugh about this at all because I fell down in downtown Klamath Falls a few weeks ago and my big toe is still hurting. Sorry about that, honey. It's okay. Okay, so we kind of covered Europe a little bit, our favorite things about Europe. Mm. But we didn't cover what was awful about Europe. So for me, it was Spain. Not that I didn't like Spain. There's a lot to like about Spain. But I was. it felt like the whole time we were there was a never-ending frustration. Did you feel that way? It can be frustrating, yes. But, um, man... You know, Spain is a very diverse country. I liked Spain, too, but we did have some incidences where we had to stop. Not that we were broken down with our RV. Um, our RV served us really, really well. But, um, yeah, um, and for Spain, we did go from all the way from the top, all the way down south to almost the southern tip of Gibraltar, which is the place where you can see Africa from. And it's like a ferry ride of how long? What, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? I really don't know how long the ferry However, ride is. However, there's a ferry ride that goes straight to Africa, and it looks like you could almost swim there. Uh, that's how close it feels. I wanted to do it and spend <laughs> some of the winter in northern Africa, mm. but we learned that fuel can be a problem. Oh, yes. And so people, we decided not to do it. People just uh, fuel up in extra buckets of gasoline and then go but, on these trips. In Christiania, we met a lot of transit, transient people mm. who would spend their winter in northern Africa. And while they were in Europe, they would collect things like toasters and sometimes even old cars. And they would take them down and sell them in Africa. That's so interesting. And they would do that crossing in Spain. So I thought, if they can do it, why can't we? Right. Well, that's a dream for the future. Right. Let's do it again, anyway, Sam. Okay. But in Spain, one thing is... Everywhere we traveled, just about everywhere we traveled, you can park your RV at rest stops. No problem. It's free. It's not free in England. It's free just about everywhere else. Um, it's no problem. You can find places to um, just park and sleep. But in Barcelona, and I guess because it's warm and every traveling person in Europe wants to go down there for the winter, you cannot park your RV anywhere. You cannot park it anywhere. And I mean, trying to find places to sleep and rough camp without paying a fortune, it was so hard. Mm. We would just be driving and driving and driving. And I super duper wanted to see the Gaudi Cathedral. And we did when we whizzed past it on the street. That you was sure it. Did. We couldn't find any propane in Spain. So what's the <laughs> propane what? in Spain? Right. Okay. No puns intended. We, but, and people there don't speak English. Everywhere else you can sort of get by you can fudge through with um you know with english but not in spain so we would ask them where propane was they'd give us a really it would seem like they were giving us a really confident answer go here go there go and we'd go and we'd just be nowhere we got lost a few times doing that and also the other weird thing was in spain in the winter time there are these crazy poisonous caterpillars on the ground i looked it up and they are called pine processionary caterpillars and they walk along in these long lines, head to head to tail, um, 
how long would you say those lines were? Like six feet long. Sure, easy. And they're super poisonous for yes. dogs. Yes. They can be poisonous for people too. People just don't usually get down and sniff them. And you would walk around and you would see these men with blow torches <laughs> burning them up because they're so bad for your pets and whatever. Super manly. <laughs> yes. And it, everyone should have a blowtorch for that reason. Right. To get the pine caterpillars. <laughs> so Spain was Spain was a, a bit of a challenge. But I have to say, nevertheless, if you ever get a chance to go see the Plaza de España in Sevilla, it was one of the most dreamy, beautiful places that I have ever seen. Um, it's almost even hard to describe it. And I think partly the reason that it is so seared upon my memory is because it was an unexpected surprise. Sevilla itself is gorgeous. It's very touristy. They do the bull run there. Um, it almost has a Disneyland-like feel. Okay, but I'm not going to hold that against it because it, you know, that's what it literally looks like. It wasn't designed that way. Um, but anyway, there was this park there uh, full of orange trees, more like a garden than a park. And we were kind of wandering around at random. And I remember, Tilo, that you had your guitar. Mm -hmm. And we sat on benches under the orange trees and we sang mm -hmm. while you played your guitar. And then we suddenly came through the trees onto Plaza de España. And it's this gorgeous, symmetrical building covered in colorful tiles with these square ponds, two square ponds with little boats in them. It looks like something from a kid's story. I'll never, I'll never forget it. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. And yeah, like Tilo said, we traveled all over Spain. I was so surprised when I looked at the map, kind of trying to recall it all, that we went from Barcelona to Madrid to Sevilla to Valencia to Malaga to Marbella on the coast. And, we, and that is a big country. And Portugal. I was kind of surprised that we did all that driving around that country like that. Mm -hmm. And then we left, when we left Spain... We drove through a little country called Andorra, which is the size of a city. It's like driving through Klamath Falls. Smaller, maybe. If, even. if not even smaller. Yeah. yeah. And when we got to, we went from the sunny beaches, winter beaches in Spain, to a crazy snowstorm in Andorra. And we were trying to drive through the mountains of Andorra into the mountains of France. And we got stranded in the parking lot of a chain bakery in Andorra. And we were using their bathroom for like 72 hours. And they knew what we were doing, <laughs> and they were looking at us, but they didn't say anything. Sure. And maybe partly because we didn't speak French, <laughs> and they spoke very little English, mm -hmm. uh, but they were also very nice to us. And that was a crazy experience. And then we were also stopped by the secret police in Andorra, but I'll save that story for another time. <laughs> Sounds good, because that, that could get us into trouble, maybe even here. <laughs> Okay, so that was my worst favorite thing, was just the struggle of mm. finding places to sleep and finding propane in Spain. Mm. Um, <coughs> did you have a least favorite part, Timo? Well, I just remember this one time, and maybe that's not so much in Spain. I don't even remember where it was. It was actually in France. In France. Mm -hmm. So we had this uh, truck stop at night. We just stayed there like all the truckers would, and some other cars would just stay there for the night. We were actually in a pretty lit up place too. The lamps were right above us and everything was fine, seemed fine. And in the middle of the night, we hear, or I hear this rustling on the front door and it's shaking a little bit, but I don't think anything, you know, anything crazy. So I go back to sleep. Next morning, I get out of the door of the RV, find my wallet out in the open, opened up, nothing's missing. Our door's open and that's 
it. Someone broke into our RV in the middle of the night, didn't find anything what they wanted to find, probably the easy cash that I didn't have because yep. I only had a card, right? Thank goodness they didn't take your card. And they didn't take wallet. any card. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, the whole wallet. And my goodness, being on the road, having to reapply for an ID or credit cards or anything, that is a headache. So I'm glad nothing happened along these lines. But yeah, so that was one of the scarier parts, right? But after that, we bought one of those uh, straps that you use for moves, right? Like for um, furniture to strap them down to any carts or in the, in the back of the uh, car. And uh, we strapped the doors together on the inside, if that's the best way of explaining it, I guess. Yeah. And when you pull on one side of the door, you basically are stuck. You can't open it unless you loosen those straps. So that was our little security, um, security that we mm -hmm. built into our RV after the fact. And that made me a little bit more nervous being on the road. But luckily, never ever anything else ever happened again. No. Like that. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's actually just pretty one time, amazing. One time experience that taught us, and here we go. Mm -hmm. And we didn't actually lose anything. So I'm surprised that you told that as your least favorite experience. It's just one of the more scary gut ones. Because maybe? we did almost die in a plane crash flying into Bucharest in Romania once. <laughs> Thanks and for I reminding me. Really thought that would mm. be your story. <laughs> it's right. not an RV story. We were living in the RV at the time, but we opted not to drive to Romania. Right. We did drive to Romania at a later date, and that was scary driving on those little roads yes. in the dark. <laughs> and everyone's fast, and no one really what, looks at the signs and cares about the speed. For miles and miles and oh, miles. Yep. Okay, yep. but the plane crash, Tilo. I oh. think that was life-changing for you, because when right. I met you, right. you love to travel and fly mm. places, mm -hmm. and now you'll do anything to avoid it. I do anything to avoid flying. I still love traveling, and yes. I love taking the car for many, many hours to get to the place that you could fly one hour to. So we're not going to Hawaii. That's not on our list right now. Let's see. Let's see. However. <laughs> okay. So, Tilo, tell about so the plane crash. We took this cheap, cheap airplane, you know. Airline. Airline yeah. company called was there. I don't even know if they still exist in Europe. However, do. we've uh, got a flight from Berlin to Buc Bucharest and Romania, and everything was fine until we were about to land in Bucharest. And you have it, you know, what happens is you get bad weather every once in a while. So that's what happened to us at night. It was pitch black outside. The only thing that you could see through the clouds here and there was the moon. And that was kind of like the orientation that I had. So... Um, captain tries to land and the first time the second time the third time and it just doesn't happen we're not going down we're just going up and down the whole time left and right up and down and it felt like we're on a roller coaster mm -hmm. i don't know if you remember that yourself, oh i remember but it, it it was scary so much so that everyone around us started you know screaming and uh not you know not being calm anymore the weird thing for me was that okay so all of the passengers started screaming people were literally screaming they were and the pilot and the stewards were not saying anything no there was radio silence and maybe that's a policy to not like make anything else worse you really thought they would come on and say okay people were having some turbulence yeah. they didn't say anything yeah <laughs> Or we're having bad weather and we're trying again. Okay, this didn't work. So, And it didn't work again. So after the third or fourth attempt, and you can imagine on the right side, I see the moon out of the window. And the next moment, I see it out of the left window. And that means we were going fast up and down and round and round. So it was quite something. And um, I was just praying to God, saying, 
this this is it. Either this is it, or you know, just save us from this. Get us back to the ground. I always imagined if I was ever in a situation like that, mm. that I would try to tell the people around me about my faith. Right. But it was so loud. Oh. And so Tilo did try to yeah. tell people. Yeah. But the screaming and the sound of the storm was mm. so loud. Mm. No one could hear you anyways. Yeah. That was interesting. So as it was scary, I did feel like there was some sort of peace, you know, and the prayer did help. However, we flew on all the way to... Um, well, the pilot did eventually come on the radio. Oh, did he? And he said... I don't remember that. Yeah. We're in a storm. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're going to have to do an emergency landing. That sounds yeah. great. And that was 200 miles away from Bucharest. So we went to a little offset airplay, airport um, or airfield, I want to say, of a, I think it was an American mm-hmm. airfield near the Black Sea and uh, land there, had to wait there a couple of hours, three, four hours in the middle of the night until buses would come and get us. You could see other cars coming up. Um, it was like, it, can I just say this? Yeah. It was more like we had to wait 10 hours for some buses to come pick us up in, not in a normal airport, in an empty, basically very little used old U.S. airbase in Romania. And the um, crew, the pilots and the stewardesses and et cetera, were picked up within a couple of hours by these luxury cars. Mm -hmm. And without a word to us of consultation or instruction, they all disappeared. That's right. And we were left on the floor of this little place, yeah. hall, airport, airport hall, for 10 hours. And not knowing if actually buses would be coming They did way. say buses would come, and they did come. Yeah. But it was, we were starting to despair. Anyway. But I um, kind of wanted you to talk about that, Tilo, because I learned after we moved to Klamath Falls um, about this man, David R. Kingsley who is the man that the Air Force Base here in Klamath Falls is named after. Is it Air Force? I think it's actually National Guard, right? It's the, the National, Air National Guard. The so Air National Air, Guard. It's yeah. Air Force National Guard. So David Kingsley, maybe some of you know this, maybe you don't. David Kingsley is a World War II hero who gave his life for his brothers in arms. And this is why it kind of relates to our story. His plane came under heavy fire in Pliosi, Romania, I'm sure I'm saying the name of that town wrong. Um, but he had flown from I, what I think is the very Air Force base where we crash landed. Um, I'm not 100% sure about that, but I actually can't find another U.S. base on the map. So I think that he flew out of the same base where we crash landed. Um, he was originally from Portland, Oregon. He is almost exactly the same age as my grandpa, so he could have known him. Okay, who knows? It's a big, small world. Anyways, in any event, I thought I would read a little bit from the Wikipedia article about David Kingsley. And in the article about him, they have his Medal of Honor citation. So this is what it says. It says, for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity in action at the risk of life above and beyond the call of duty, June 23, 1944, near Pliotsi, Romania, while flying a bombardier of a B-17 type aircraft, Lieutenant Kingsley's aircraft was severely damaged by intense flak and forced to drop out of formation. The damaged aircraft, forced to lose altitude and to lag behind formation, was aggressively attacked, causing more damage to the aircraft and severely wounding the tail gunner. The radio operator notified Kingsley that the tail gunner had been wounded and that assistance was needed to check the bleeding. 
Kingsley made his way back to the radio room, skillfully applied first aid to the wound, and succeeded in checking the bleeding. The tail gunner's parachute harness and heavy clothes were removed, and he was covered with blankets to make him as comfortable as possible. Again, Kingsley's aircraft was aggressively attacked, and the ball turret gunner was wounded. Kingsley um, administered first aid. A few minutes later, when the pilot gave the order to prepare to bail out, Kingsley immediately began to assist the wounded gunners in putting on their parachute harness. In the confusion of the tail gunner's harness, believed to have been damaged, could not be located in the bundle of blankets and flying clothes which had been removed. With utter disregard for his own means of escape, Kingsley unhesitatingly removed his parachute harness and adjusted it to the wounded tail gunner. Due to the excessive damage caused by the accurate and concentrated fire of the enemy aircraft, the pilot gave the order to bail out, as it appeared that the aircraft would disintegrate at any moment. Kingsley aided the wounded men in bailing out and last was seen by the crew members standing on the Bombay catwalk. The aircraft continued to fly on automatic pilot, then crashed and burned. His body was later found in the wreckage. Second Lieutenant Kingsley, by his gallant heroic action, was directly responsible for saving the life of that wounded gunner. I think that's such an amazing wow. story. That's incredible. Greater love has no one than he who gives his life for a friend. So we nearly crashed. There were no bombs. There were no guns involved. Mm -hmm. The noise was incredible. So how much more incredible would it be under those circumstances? And I can remember how certain I was that we were going to die and how bewildered I was that I was going to die in a plane crash. And I don't think I would have had the clarity of mind to sacrifice my life to help others on the plane. Um, but I wish I could say that I would have. I wasn't tested in it, so I don't know. But I do know that I had peace about it. I, I remember thinking, oh, I'm surprised this is how I'm going to die. And I'm glad that we're all going to die together. Yes. But I don't At think that. But I was not afraid to die. I wasn't afraid of that. Um, anyway, I just thought that that was interesting that our airfield's namesake, um, I don't know, that we would move here of all places, mm -hmm. that it has this place that's um, named for a man who gave his life in that way in wow. Romania. Where in we, Romania. Yeah, yeah. In, in the same Air Force base. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so that's your local town hero. That's who your base Amazing. is named after. That's super cool. Yes. Okay, so back to the topic of travel. Hmm. Um, let's move on from Europe because we also traveled to China where we stayed in Beijing. We traveled My. and visited an underground church. We visited Taipei a number of times. We honeymooned in Morocco. We stayed twice in the Arabic quarter on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. We met a very gallant camel who lived in the garbage under an unfinished <laughs> building in Egypt. So, Tilo, but you've actually traveled further and farther than I have. Um, talk a little bit about some of your travels outside of Europe. So next to being a musician and, uh, you know, passionate about music, I'm just as passionate about um, media and videography and audio and whatnot. And so I went and I went to, uh, as a camera guy, uh, hired man, basically hired a camera to Africa uh, two times and I was able to go to Uganda and I was able to go to Nigeria and one of my journeys took us all the way to a, an island called the Sigulu Island and that is right on the lake or attached to the Lake Victoria that's famous right um, and it took us three hours to take a little motor boat so to say um, canoe uh, all the way there and I had long sleeve, um, a long sleeve jacket on and a baseball cap on, but guess what? I didn't put any sunblock on. So 
I learned my lesson really hard and I looked like a fried chicken on the way back and it hurt. However, so if you're ever on the water traveling that long during the daytime, put some sunblock on. Just do it. Spend the money and get it. However, um, on the way back, it was uh, late at night. Rain would start coming. It was pitch black. We didn't know where we were going. And the guides who were in the boat and knew exactly what they were doing weren't scared at all. But we were making jokes the whole time, too. Wow, we're going to die here. This is it. And then um, I think the other story that's really impressive is in Taiwan. But you didn't die. I didn't die, so I'm here to tell the story. And we were just very grateful and laughed about it after the fact that we we're so scared when we finally saw those lights at the end. Were you wet? We were soaked in just in rain, yes. The boat had holes in it too, of course. So we were trying to just, you know, like get the water out of it. <laughs> and I had all my camera equipment there and just had my jacket over it. So I did not, you know, I did, wasn't protected from the rain. However, um, One of our other journeys that we took as a family was uh, in Taiwan. We went into one of the highest mountains there. Um, and it's so high that you lose um, the quality of oxygen and you cannot breathe as properly as you need the oxygen in your lungs. So what happens is you get dizzy and you feel like you're drunk or something's wrong with your mind and you're losing your mind. And our friend took us up there and not preparing us at all what this might be like. They so I've got it. It's Mount. Here we go. <laughs> Can't even say it. Okay, It's Mount Hehewonshan. Oh, very good. <laughs> Elevation. Gesundheit. 3,422 meters, 11,000 feet. 11,000 feet. Mount. Exactly. Yes. Mount Hood's elevation is 11,000 feet. So if you're all the way on the top there, you're gonna, you know, lack yeah. the oxygen that you need to function normally. So your brain just cuts out and mm -hmm. doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So you feel like you're in a dream or you have a fever or whatever. And people do get sick, right? That's what they get. They get the mountain sickness or whatever, or altitude sickness, right? Whatever you call it. And then um, not only that, but we had our t tiny... 10-month-old. 10-month-old babies there, and they didn't know what happened to them. And no. we didn't know what would happen to us. So... We uh, wouldn't have that was, We didn't know. Oh, they had a terrible time. That it was horrible Our for them. Our friend took us up there and didn't tell us. Didn't tell us. <laughs> He didn't prepare us at all. So, however, yeah, that was one of those things that were kind of favorite stories out of the travel outside of Europe for me. You know what I will always remember about that? The Taiwanese people are great with their tea. And I don't even know who these people were, but they joined us there. And That's they right. had this expensive tea and they would take it out into the parking lot and just set up a little like a little flame boiler and mm -hmm. make their tea on it and we would all sit and drink oh. tea through the haze of our elevation sickness That's right. but that was lovely it was and it really is the people who make it all make it all worthwhile right the totally. relationships and the people that you meet and i feel like we've fallen short in our telling tonight because we haven't emphasized a lot of those people mm-hmm um, but, you know, obviously we couldn't do that in an hour. It would take forever <laughs> to really give all that nuance. One but person at a time. One person at a time. And <laughs> we did have um, a wonderful translator when we were in China who was later tortured for his faith and ended up committing suicide. Yeah, um, very tragic. And I would love to do a show where we just um, honor him and talk about his name was Jojo. Mm -hmm. Jojo. Um, so we only have a few minutes left. Um, before we go, I want to mention some of the music that we've been playing in the background. My Aunt Mindy said the music is distracting. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. <laughs> It probably is. 
we'll have to keep trying to work on it. Shout out to the people in Lakeview, by the way. Yes. With that. Shout out to Lakeview. Anyway, um, so we um, were playing an artist named Lang Lang, who is a Chinese pianist who lives in southern Germany. Kind of goes with the topic of travel. He um, is just a pianist. He's not a composer. Uh, we stumbled on a song by called Yelang Yelang by an artist called FKJ, featuring an artist called something 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 with an O, formerly known as June Marizi. We had John Barry in there, who is mostly music um, movie composer, but the Out of Africa soundtrack is awesome. We've got some music by some old friends, um, a guitarist that we know who lives in Taiwan named James Carriage, and a young man in Berlin named Jonathan Morgenstern <laughs> um, from his debut album, Aguazul. He has a soundtrack on there called Have No Fear, which he actually composed for my brother Gabe um, after he passed away. So it's lovely. It's got a lot of South American influence. So if you like that, check that out. Aguazul by Jonathan Morgenstern. Okay, so I'm going to leave you with two quotes. The first one is from Mark Twain. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And many of our people need it, um, need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's life. That's uh, from The Innocents, Abroad and Roughing It by Mark Twain. Then I found a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, Though we travel the world over to find the beauty, we must carry it with us or we find it not. And I have to say, I actually sort of disagree with Mark Twain's quote. I've known people, I actually had a friend who traveled to a country I won't name and became even more prejudiced of the people. She hated them after she left. Because uh, when you travel, although you meet lots of really amazing people, you also find out that people are as bad as people. Any country you go to, they're prejudiced, and there's other people that they dislike. They have quirks that you aren't going to like, weird cultural things that you aren't going to like. And I just don't know if I can agree with Mark Twain that travel is uh, fatal to bigotry or prejudice or narrow-mindedness. You might actually grow more narrow-minded and want to be set in your own ways. But my question to leave you with tonight is... Um, if we want to go with what Ralph Waldo Emerson says and want to find the beauty in the world and we must carry it within ourselves, how do we do that? How do we overcome the natural flaws that people around the world have, that we know we ourselves have, in order to achieve that ultimate goal of finding the beauty that's everywhere? That's the question I'm going to leave you with tonight. Thank you for listening. This is KTEC 89.5 FM in Klamath Falls. So you don't have to actually have traveled to have your horizons expanded and to know how beautiful the world is. Let's be clear about that. Whether you have physically traveled or traveled in your mind, or you will or you won't, no matter what, may your heart and your mind be fertile ground. Until next Monday night, thanks for listening. <laughs>